0: This is BiblioVile, the terrible book exchange podcast for a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find.
1: For this episode of BiblioVile, I read Royals of Vivian Academy, book one, Cruel Magic by Ava Chase, and Nick read The Betrayal of the Blood Lily, a Pink Carnation novel by Lauren Willie.
0: Welcome to BiblioVile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And
1: I'm Susan Dickinson.
0: And we are here once again to bring you some terrible, terrible books. Uh, we are fresh off of what passes for a summer vacation this year.
1: Which was uh, some time out at a lake in central Iowa by ourselves with some other friends that had also spent most of the summer by themselves. Woo. Such as summer in the time of coronavirus. Yes.
0: Uh, so But it was great. Lots of drinking for the three of us. uh, Three out of the four of us. Uh, We we did some dang good work there.
1: Yeah, y'all did some good work. I discovered kombucha, which I know, like, welcome to 2015, Susan. Good job. But I had never tried it before because I thought the concept sounded gross because anything that has a, um, like, anything involving the phrase vinegar mother stresses me out. Um, Aren't you Catholic? But I... <laughs> but I did uh, try kombucha, and I really liked it.
0: Nice. Meanwhile, I got two fires off of one light and could have gone a third this morning if we were so inclined.
1: It was pretty impressive. We were all pretty impressed. Thank
0: you. But the problem was that we can, kept it going uh, throughout the night, and now I legitimately have a small smiley face on my foot made of uh, mosquito bites on like the ball of my ankle, which is dreadfully ironic because I am not smiling about it my feet are more bump than man at this point I there
1: think. is something about Nick that mosquitoes just love I have exactly one mosquito bite it is on the base of my neck and I did not notice it until Nick pointed it out or I wanted to today. share the fun and I, I still like it doesn't itch I can't feel it I I'm have in no hell. mosquito bites on my feet and you're just Sad over yeah. here. So, best part is you get to go shoe shopping tomorrow.
0: Shoe shopping. Yes, I get to go shoe shopping because I have terrible, terrible running shoes and wearing socks of any kind, it makes my life not worth living to be so itchy. That's not true. That was kind of a bummer. But, uh, it sucks. Don't, I, I need to get like, you know how the story about kids in the depression would be like they would put their shoes in bread bags if it was yeah. snowing outside? I need like mosquito nets for my feet.
1: You could just Not wear shoes.
0: socks. No, gross. There's the lake. <laughs> um, No shoes, no socks at the lake. But while we were up there, we both finished reading our terrible books. Uh, Susan, you had a book that frequent listeners may sort of recognize i'm not going to say it was the most original it it came up in an amazon recommended mm-hmm. but part of that amazon recommended was just how deep this goes into uh the from what i could see just every single piece of what you'd expect pops up
1: yeah and i have a lot to say on that particular subject i do want to note that um we said at the end of last week's episode what books we were going to be reading for this week The book that I had originally gotten for Mick, he did not end up reading. um, And we switched to something else. So if you're wondering, that's why. Um, But I read Cruel Magic by Eva Chase. This is book one in the Royals of Villain Academy. And Mick, I have to say, so season one of Bibliovile, there was one book that you had gotten me that I wound up reading the entire series. It was the Coney Island... Bombay. It was the Bombay yeah. Family of Assassins.
0: Strictly speaking, you got it for me.
1: Yes. And, and then, then we did a sequels episode and yes. you got another one for me. And then I proceeded to read all of them. I think if there was a book that I have read so far in season two of vile that I was going to read the rest of the series, it would be this one.
0: Wow. Wow. So, dang, we both got each other kind of good books, then.
1: Yeah, um, I have a lot of other books on my reading list, so I don't know that I'm really going to make it a priority, but if I had to pick one to read the series, it would be the Royals of Villain Academy. Um,
0: Not the Villains of Royal Academy?
1: Overall, this book was really good, it was engaging, it was really well written, I like the main character a lot and she's really believable. I'm very tired of like I'm these... chunky but
0: everyone has boners for me.
1: Yes, or like these perfect sexy like always know exactly what to do in every situation main characters because they get boring yeah. to read after a while. So I liked the main character. Um I liked some of the other characters. Even the villain was the main villain was interesting. <laughs> Um, I do have some criticisms of the book for sure. So I, I hope so, feel, else this is going to be a short podcast. Don't feel like it's going to be a uh, a completely empty bibliophile episode, but overall it's a pretty good one. The writing was really good, um which I think you can tell in the way that the book starts off. Um it is definitely an engaging beginning. Um it is a little intense, but this is the first paragraph of Cruel Magic. If I'd known my parents would be dead in an hour, I'd have done a few things differently that Sunday morning, made sure to fit in a hug or two, offered at least one I love you, and not dredged up the same old argument we'd been having for the last half a year, which didn't end up mattering anyway. Like, that's a pretty bold way to start your book. I'm interested. I want to know what's going to happen. So that's, that's exciting, right?
0: Um, we might have to agree to disagree on
1: that one. (laughs) I mean, in terms of bibliophile books. Yeah, still. Yeah. Um, so our main character, her name is Rory, short for Lorelai, which is a total ripoff of Gilmore Girls. I don't know that Rory is a normal nickname for Lorelai until after Gilmore Girls became a thing. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't think
0: Lorelai was a particularly common name until after Gilmore yeah. Girls became a thing.
1: Um, but so Rory is, so Rory's parents do magic. Um, they are something called a Joymancer. Um, and a Joymancer creates... M- Mancer's joy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mansi. um M is in Mancy. So her parents are Joymancers. She knows this. She has seen them do magic. They have talked about, like, their Joymancer world. But she is part of the regular world. Um, she is what is often called a nary. Sure, as in
0: for... there's nary a hint of magic to be found?
1: yes or alternatively ordinary so it could it can it can be defined either way apparently. both of
0: those are quite dumb
1: um yeah they're pretty dumb um so she was adopted her her parents adopted her when she was 2 so she knows that they are joy mancers and she is not um so the she describes joy mancy in the following way the two of them could turn any joy they stirred up in each other or me or anyone else we ran into into power so that is how these joy mages get their power is by feelings of joy in other people. So if they are around someone who is experiencing joy, they get power from that. Oh. Um, and so by like creating situations where other people feel joy, they get stronger. So they're joy mancers. That's um, a
0: that's the nicest way I've ever heard succubi and incubi. Define.
1: I mean, that's basically it. So the, the flip side of this coin is the Fear Mancers. They get their power from instilling fear in others.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the Yellow Lanterns. And
1: the Fear Mancers uh, brutally murder her parents in front of her and then kidnap her and take her away. Um, this
0: does not inspire joy.
1: She, no, this is not. It does inspire a lot of fear, though. Um, with her is her pet mouse, um, who she always called Squeak, but it turns out that Squeak is actually a former joymancer called Deborah who for some reason was turned into a mouse and is serving as Rory's familiar. I'm
0: gonna pause here. You liked this book?
1: Mick, this podcast has done some terrible things to me.
0: I've bounced off of this several wouldn't it be so much easier to be a fearmancer than a joymancer because you could put on like a re- a red ball nose and do a backflip and somebody's like, uh I've seen that. That's blasé. But a fearmancer all he has to do is hide around a corner and be like, Bwah!
1: Yes, but if you're a good person, you don't want to instill fear in other people. This is what worry run does. Dangerous into. fear. The bad guys take her to the fearmancer school, which the joymancers call Villain Academy, but is actually called Bloodstone University. And uh. we find out that Rory is not her real name. Her real name is Persephone Bloodstone, and she was stolen by the Joymancers. Bloodstone so her... Academy,
0: where everyone's a Slytherin.
1: A hundred percent, yes. Um, so Persephone Bloodstone, she continues to go by Rory throughout the book, but assumes her original last name, so we start referring to her as Rory Bloodstone. Uh, she, So her, her adopted parents... Um, apparently killed her birth parents who were fear mancers and kidnapped her. But like she has like she knows them as these really nice people who gave her a really happy childhood. So she has very conflicting feelings about that. Um, she is like learn trying, they are trying to teach her how to be a fear mancer and trying to get her to hate the joy mancers and understand like, no, you were kidnapped, your parents were murdered. your real parents were murdered by these people. But you're, like, really sad that they're dead because you didn't know any of that. And so she has all of these very complicated feelings on top of learning how to be a part of this Fearmancer school um, and trying to learn how to use her magic. So at the beginning...
0: Well, here's the thing, though. If she's really scared about how all this is going to go, she's going to be one of the best magicians.
1: No, because it's not fear within herself. It's fear within other people. So herself being afraid doesn't give her magic. Otherwise, she'd be so powerful. But just wait. She does wind up being so powerful. What? Um. So she decides at one point she's going to become really good at using Fearmancy. She's going to learn all the secrets about the Fearmancer school. And she's going to take it down from the inside.
0: They couldn't even look up a Latin root for fear.
1: It's Bloodstone University.
0: No, like... Fear man, oh. you don't call it earth mancy, you call it geomancy or yeah. pyromancy.
1: It's just fear mancy and joy mancy. Um, so that's where we really dig it. Like that, all of that happens in like the first three chapters. So that's where we really dig into like her life at school. And here is my biggest bone to pick with this book. This book, and I, I feel like I have found this in a lot of other bibliophile books recently. So two episodes ago, I joked that the book that I had was a combo of like Hunger Games, Divergent, Harry Potter. A little bit of Lord of the Rings. Like, it was Mm -hmm. all those things smushed into one. And this was absolutely just Harry Potter, but in a slightly different universe. Like, and it makes me feel like... Is she English? No, she's not English. This is set in America. But that's the thing is, like, I feel like people have snippets of ideas for what they want to make into a book or like this universe that they want to build but they don't have all of the ideas so they wind up fleshing it out with things that already exist and so we wind up just having multiple versions of harry potter it's like
0: how in jurassic park they just inserted frog dna wherever there were gaps
1: exactly so apparently harry potter is now frog dna and it leaves us with a not entirely original story
0: bad fiction uh 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 finds a way <laughs> now what i really need for someone is when they finally actually talk to us in person about their podcast they go you guys uh you read bad books mm-hmm. and then of course the,
1: and then we say we try to mm-hmm. and then
0: that person goes ha, haw, wah, wah, wah,
1: wah.
0: <laughs> i have a very important question yes who are the two hot boys that are fighting over her
1: uh there are four.
0: Oh god <laughs> gotta keep up in the ante i was
1: just about to get to that so um she is because she's a bloodstone she is one of the five scions of bloodstone university so there are um there were five founding families the parents of those families are the barons the baronesses oh. and then their children like are the sins? scions but right yes like midnight sins but right now there's no bloodstone baron because her parents are dead Um, So it's, they're all, like, the other barons are waiting on her to, like, come into her magic, come of age, she's, like, 18 or 19, but mages come of age at 21, and, like, take her place in leading the Freemancers, I guess? That part isn't really, like, what she's supposed to do eventually is not explained very well.
0: This is why hereditary things are dumb.
1: Yeah. It's very stupid. Um, Because,
0: like, let's get this person who did not grow up in this system, or really understand the world at large let's get them to lead us
1: and so the other scions as you correctly guessed are all boys and all all four of them are the hottest guys she's ever seen in her entire life and with all four of them she's got these okay. just like electric feelings let
0: me guess you got the like strong blonde guy yep you got the kindest, kind of like hot topicy uh long hair one yes you got the extraordinarily rich one who's kind of full of himself, but in a way that's hot. Yes. And then you got the quiet reserved one, but that probably has a huge slump.
1: Uh, yes, and the quiet reserved one is also kind of a meathead. He's like really big and really uh, strong. A and so everyone meathead. just thinks that he's dumb, but he is the first one that she gets to know, and she, of course, Gets to see beyond the muscles and really see the kind and interesting system. and intelligent oh. person that he is. Um, they bone first. I Ooh, think she, there's full
0: on boning. Yes,
1: there's full on boning. Um, they wind up like hanging out a couple times, one on one, despite the fact that the sort of the leader of the other scions, Malcolm, she like gets into it with Malcolm and has a conflict with him right away. She thinks that he's a bully. It's Which a very one is that, Harry Potter. Um, it's the super rich one. Uh. It's very Harry Potter Draco Malfoy, um, where she just the decides. Fan version. Yeah, the first time that she meets him, she's like, "No, I don't like this guy. He's a bully. He's mean. Like I'm gonna, I'm um, gonna be the antagonist for him." Um, and the other three are like his best friends, but she winds up getting to know um, the genuine meathead whose name I've already forgotten. Um, Connor. Connor. Oh. Um, she winds up like getting to know him, and then they inevitably bone. And is uh, it good? Outside, it's um on a beach by a lake. It's very good.
0: Where is this taking place? Atlanta? Um,
1: it's somewhere on the east coast.
0: Mm. Like
1: the, I think like upstate New York or something.
0: Ah. So it not must be, Atlanta this time. It must if they're stressing fear to for power, it must have been at Yale. <laughs> the real skull and bones sort of vibe for sure. I'm picking up.
1: Um, so some other definite Harry Potter ties. One of the classes that she goes to is called desensitization, um, where basically because other mages are going to get power if they can inspire fear in you, so you have to practice not getting afraid when things happen. Uh-huh. So they go into this desensitization chamber where they have to face their biggest fears, which like... Like a Bogart? Yeah, that's... Oh, that's bogarts bogarts whatever um from harry potter there is also um one of the types of magic that they practice is called insight um which is basically being able to like intuit another person's thoughts memories whatever I think which insight, is yeah.
0: well it, I it also uses a wisdom modifying for the role
1: so <laughs> uh roll a d20 um
0: what was her biggest fear
1: uh something so, about the well, parents getting murdered yes it was basically Cha-ching! a vision of the parents did memory. i read this book you could you very well could have um, so yeah, she sleeps out with Connor. At one point she makes out with one of the other mages, hot topic guy. Um nice. then it turns out after all of these struggles that she's got where she's doing badly in all of her classes, and the other scions are making her life miserable. Um, it turns out she is Despite really sleeping. powerful. Um and she is equally powerful in all four areas of fear, Nancy. Yeah, so each girl of them boss has to choose like a specialty area um three of the four are insight persuasion and physicality i can't remember what the fourth one is she chooses insight Mm. um and so that's like basically the end of the book is her doing her assessment finding out she's a super powerful fear mage um and that's it i
0: love the idea that you gathered a bunch of hot magic users into the upper east side and then they're like What's your major? Like we are so in in unable to divorce ourselves from what we know that we yeah. have to get a major in fearmancy.
1: There is also um so the school is primarily for fearmancers. Anybody
0: who doesn't know what their fearmancing skill is going to be just goes into business first. You
1: know? <laughs> Starts off with sport and recreation management. <laughs> um, there in addition to the fearmancers that are being educated. It's also like basically a really selective private liberal arts college for the Nereids, the ordinary students, um, and so they are like around basically as a tool for the fear mancers to be able to bully them and scare them so that they can get power. And so sounds like Greek life. One of it really does sound like Greek life. So her um, mentor has her like basically try to scare a kid um, so that she can sort of recharge her power. Um, And she has this whole thing about, like, I'm just not very good at being scary. Um, I don't, like, I don't want to instill these fears in other people. Um, You know, it it instills shame in her to scare people. And then the
0: shame answers come along. But it also
1: gives her an exhilarating rush of power. So I feel like that is definitely where the book is going to go of, like, her balancing the need to instill fear in other people to like, get more powerful, but also, like, not wanting to do that. Except I feel like that's definitely going to be a theme. Dark side. For sure, which, again, sounds familiar. I also think there might be a little bit of uh, Yasmin Gallinorn in this where I think she's going to wind up dating all four boys at once.
0: Nice. Um, I would, mm.
1: I would really love this <laughs> oh. if it wound up being, like, she, not like I want to read all the sex scenes, but I think it would be hilarious if she wound up like, instead of getting her power from fear, she gets her power from boning and just like bones all four of them. Nice. I think that would be hilarious. A penis mancer. Um, so, yeah. mancer, I should it, uh, The writing of this was a lot better than many of the books I've read recently. Um, again, this podcast has broken me. I don't have taste anymore. Um, but overall, this was a very After easy, quick read. After she does it with four guys, raid. she Um, and so I really... Overall, I mostly enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Can I tell you, though? Can I read? Um, so in in this theme of all books are now sort of Harry Potter and also all the same, I would like to read the blurb for a different series that this author is writing. Three haunted young men, a terrible curse. One girl who could break it if this place doesn't break her first. Find out what awaits tricks at the mysterious Roseborn College in the <laughs> new Cursed Study series. Here's a sneak peek inside the first book, Academy of the Forgotten. Wow.
0: It's the same really thing. Really locked into... Do you think she went into admissions and now makes money on the side writing college-based Yeah, based she's got to
1: be something in higher ed. She's end. in housing.
0: Uh, <laughs> that, that second one, the one you didn't have to read, was that written for more like a YA as opposed to a novel? Because... Uh, from what I know, tricks is for kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a bad
0: joke. You don't have to laugh
1: that at it. That was dumb and I liked it. Anyway, um, tell us about The Betrayal of the Blood Lily.
0: So, Betrayal of the Blood Lily, a Pink Carnation novel by Lauren Willig, uh, is maybe the longest title we'd have. Uh, I don't think we even have the full title because this is book six. Oh, perfect. Of the series. So thank you. This is two bodice rippers in a row you've gotten me.
1: Oh, is it? Okay.
0: Because last week's was a bodice ripper.
1: Yes, last week's was the Barefoot Princess or something to that effect.
0: I keep wanting to say the Barefoot Contessa. Yeah. We Uh, did
1: that one already. Didn't we?
0: No, Barefoot Contessa is a uh, cooking show, right?
1: I thought it was a bibliophile book that we had read. Well, now we have to look it up cooking show. Oh. Oh, nice. Oh, that's Ina Garden. Yes. Never mind. Okay. If it you, sounds like a bibliophile. book. If you can't read a
0: book, if you can't write a book, Storybot is fine. But anyway. <laughs> um, I was very scared about this. It is book... Oh, we should probably talk about the reason. The Amoyan
1: Empire. The so, reason yes. for
0: the change. The reason for the change, despite we are going to buy the Amoyan Empire uh, colon strange subductions uh, due to a, a recommendation we went to go look it up and it was self-published and reading through it it just it it just wasn't ready to go it didn't spend enough time in the oven it, yeah. it wasn't really up to the uh you know vibe that Bibliophile need, needs to be allowed to make fun of books yeah. so we we pulled the ripcord about 10 pages in and moved over to betrayal of the Bloodly, uh which was a good change for this guy because it's nice. a legitimately good book, and I know I made fun of you for saying that your book was good, but it, it wasn't, and mine was. Uh, if you want cool, the, cool, cool, the, cool. the second uh, time that you get to read an entire series, this should be your your go. Okay. Uh, because it it's like uh, you recently finished the Poldark books, and from yeah. what I know about the Poldark books, this was techn- uh, it could not have been much longer, uh, even though it's quite a long book, yeah, uh, for a bibliophile book, but it is taking place in the early 1800s during the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, Their other ones are about spying around, and this one is in India. Okay. uh, And they're defending the English Empire against French spies in India, which it's like, oh, hooray. Good thing we get to defend that good, good English Empire. But it subverts expectations and was legitimately well-written and had characters that I very much enjoyed reading about. Uh, in addition, the, the way it was written started off being a very good idea and then, then not so much, but that was probably because I was reading book six. Yeah. So the way this series goes is I'm willing to bet it is the classic, you know, the characters from the previous novel appear in this one and, and yes. ha- this character appeared in a different one. That the main
1: character's sister or the main character from Best book friend, two, yeah. her sister is the main character in yes. book eight or whatever. Yes. Yeah.
0: So there is some of that connection, but like other series, uh, this is a self contained story, which was better. It's not like Otherworld, where I need the other seventeen books to understand and book a eighteen
1: glossary and a character guide
0: and a playlist. <laughs> uh, but the sort of framing of this is that a uh, historian who uh, Eloise. Uh, like a historian grad student is trying to write her dissertation and in the midst of procrastinating writing the dissertation as uh, any grad student does. Uh, is doing more and more research and just keeps collecting more and more research. And so the research she's doing is about the, like, the spy rings of the Napoleonic era. Okay. And so that's the framing device of each person is involved somehow with this yeah. spy ring and you get to go pay attention to different stories. Uh, but she's currently dating. I could not have cared less about the modern day story. I thought it was an efficient framing device because yeah. it allowed for relatively uh, streamlined exposition at the mm-hmm. beginning. Where she went to a dinner, like, she's on a double date with her boyfriend and her boyfriend's sister trying to set her up. And she's doing the thing that many historians do or people who listen to podcasts about history like me. Uh, where you get really excited about something and you just, like, babble on about it. Yeah. Even though no one else is listening. Uh, and so that, like, that very true character action helped set up, like, hey, you probably don't know about the Napoleonic era in mm-hmm. India. So I'm going to tell you about it uh without having to just be like it's so hot in here she fanned herself it was so hot in india especially since the Rajput in yeah you know. yeah
1: that, um, that actually is a really good framing device yeah. yeah
0: but the problem is that it kept cutting back to modern times which you didn't particularly yeah. care i didn't about. care about eloise's yeah. story and her like if you had taken her sections of the book out it probably would have been a total of like 50 pages And so there wasn't enough time to do anything with it.
1: You're not going to get invested in it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so it's like, oh, she got in a minor spat with her boyfriend because the sister that she's trying to set up on dates with is like not getting over this breakup and she needs to be taking... Like she is so coddled by the boyfriend and I didn't care because I didn't know any of the people and nothing was happening. There wasn't really a real plot.
1: I wonder if that's one where you get more invested in her if you've read the first five. You're
0: not going to get this at all, but one of our two listeners might. Okay, There's a game series called Assassin's Creed. I've heard of that. And in the original Assassin's Creed games, you were not actually the assassin. You were playing as a dude who's like an NA extreme vr situation replaying the genetic memories of the assassins huh and so it was the same guy in the far future throughout the assassin's creed games but you were a different assassin each game. okay so it's kind of like that and everyone's favorite part about assassin's creed games was not that guy yeah and this book probably should have uh taken a lesson from that but anyway so, the good part, which I would, if you were going to read this, which I recommend you actually do, okay. I'm not going to tell you the end. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I didn't really understand it, but uh, the if you read it, I would just say just skip over everything but the first one of those things. It has yeah. no impact on the the good part of the story. I am so itchy that I am having a hard time thinking. <laughs> uh, we I have my, like, pre- uh reading notes then i have start in modern times blah 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 and then the next note is got to admit (laughs) it's a pretty good handling of exposition right and so i'm already saying like okay this one was good but i bet that's it and it already started going uh i did not take a super lot amount of notes uh one of them is dang am i enjoying this book (laughs) uh so the book opens with penelope uh whose last original last name I never really learned because she got married to uh Freddie something or other. So she's a she's Lady Frederick Bonesley or something. Uh but they are absolutely not in love. Uh she is kind of uh the Victorian era of kind of a slut and mm-hmm. she loves being that and it's like the the author does not judge her at all for it. Yeah. The, obviously the times do a little bit and so She was caught unchaperoned in a bedroom with Freddie, Mm. who will get there later. And so they were not even boning. And she's like, all those other times that I had sex with men out of wedlock, and the one time I get caught, I didn't actually get laid. And so they were kind (laughs) of uh, pressured into a marriage. They don't really love each other. Yeah. So they don't really love each other very much, but he's pretty handsome uh, and adequate enough at doing it, which is pretty funny. Uh, the one thing, what have we always said about bodice rippers that we hate the most?
1: The, like, teasing aspect of it.
0: Uh, uh, In history, one of the things that we people need to understand about history.
1: Oh, people been boning.
0: People been boning. And so this book really does a good job about people, but, be- like, yeah, people were boning all yeah. the time. And although it wasn't as socially acceptable, like... You you don't want to get caught, and you don't talk about it as often like people been boning. Uh, so this is the the husband, Freddie. Freddie engaged in a lengthy readjustment of his neck cloth. even with his high shirt points beginning to droop in the heat, and his face flushed with the Governor General's best Madeira, the wine that I can mm. never pronounce. He was or, uh, the liquor. Uh, he was still a strapping specimen of arist- aristocratic. Pulcatrude. I don't even know what that word means, but you can tell from how it's spelled what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. The product of generations of breeding, polishing, and grooming from the burnished dark blonde of his hair to the perfectly honed contours of his face. Penelope could picture him pinned up in a naturalist's cupboard, a perfect example of Homo aristocraticus.
1: <laughs> That's
0: cute. And so he's like the the perfect English, uh, snob, snob. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was like a fancy, a flirt with her, but then she got saddled with him and she's technically beneath his station. And so he gets shipped out to India, uh, with the burgeoning, uh, British colony there. Now, this is still pretty early in the British colonization of India, which it's not good, but we're not to like British domination in India quite yet. It was still being like negotiated and tricked into that. Um, one thing that this book does that you already saw is that Freddy is not just, uh, he's not handsome and he doesn't have like sharp features. Like they really got into the specificness of his face and it does it other times with somebody's mouth is often referenced as being very fish-like, which yeah. is a pretty common term. But, uh, there's a lot of very specific character choices and character actions and character descriptions, which make this book really good, especially in, in, uh, uh Like, for example, in your book where every dude is the hottest dude she's ever seen. And, oh, my God, she couldn't believe how perfect he was. Like, what's that mean? Yeah. He has perfect or or she has has perfect breasts. breasts. Yeah. What's that mean? (laughs) And so what a lot of other bodice ripper and other romance novelists try to do is achieve the specific or, yeah, achieve the specific through the universal. Right. Yeah. I'm going to say she has perfect boobies and then the reader will project whatever they think Mm -hmm. perfect boobies are onto this. It doesn't work like that. Doesn't no, work very well because
1: even though you think like the reader will just project whatever they think perfect is, it winds up just being really vague.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just like a gray blob where her titties are supposed to be.
1: So and I, this, no one wants that. No,
0: but that's one thing about titties—you gotta know. <laughs> So what this book does instead is is achieving the universal through the specific. That even if you uh, don't exactly know this guy, you, you've you known somebody like him, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can, you have, we talked about it already, you and I, and we're not supposed to talk about our books before this, but there's a movie called Lady Bird. And it's yes. very good. And Lady Bird is very, very specific. It's, it's practically autobiographical about Greta Gerwig growing up mm-hmm. very alliterative in Sacramento. And so Ladybird is a person we all knew, or possibly were, depending mm-hmm. on who. But the thing I love most in uh, Ladybird was the best friend. He yeah. was like the kind of the pudgy, shyer one. Like uh, Ladybird gives her up to go hang out with the cool kids and comes back and see. Yeah. You know. And even the friend at that time is a little bit too desperate to, like, completely reject. Yeah. And so everybody kind of knows that person.
1: You You either have had a friend like that or you have been that friend. Yeah. 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 And
0: so such a specific character, everybody knows. And so you feel more connected to such a specific thing as opposed to trying to get people to project their own Mm -hmm. experiences onto a general thing. And so that keeps happening. But on their way to India or at the their first party in Calcutta they uh, she meets captain Alex Reed and he might have might as well have been having a name tag on his chest that says the one she bones <laughs> so it was pretty funny that she starts out married to a handsome rich uh you know dalliance that is the the perfunctory english gentleman yeah. and then that's not the what we're going for
1: that's not the love interest yeah
0: um there is a really good Realistic motivation of distress, like you know how the other bodice rippers we read, it's basically just like, and then somebody goes, "What's wrong?" I don't want to talk about it.
1: Yeah, they they we basically have to fabricate a reason for them to fight or not get along or have yeah. some type of tension just so we can have tension.
0: Yeah, so this does a really good job of uh, establishing why they originally don't like each other. Like it's a very realistic reason. There's the job of uh, Penelope's husband is to go hang out. Uh, and basically spy for the main dude in India, spy on this local governor. Uh, so, uh, he, the husband is talking to, uh, Penelope. So it says, it's James Kirkpatrick. The governor general wants me to keep an eye on the resident. Wellesley, the the governor general, the main dude of India thinks he's gone soft too much time in India, you know. And then she says back, "I think that would be an asset in governing the place."
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: but she later finds out that there's something going wrong here. Uh, Alex Reed is the like the love interest is very much uh, that dude's the the local dude's like man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he loves the guy. thinks he's doing a great job. So. He, Alex Reed, doesn't originally like her because she thinks that, or he thinks that, her and her husband don't understand the situation on the ground. They're just yeah. going to make things worse. They're just like they're still pale from England and yeah. arriving in India. She doesn't like him because she thinks that he's gone. He, from what the stories he's heard or she's heard, everyone there is going too native. He's selling yeah. out the English and and some stuff like that. Uh, he doesn't seem eager to help them. What an asshole! And it's like, well, that is actually a really good reason for them not yes, to get along. There, first. there are
1: actually circumstances that create tension
0: yeah um i i took a note that said dang am i actually enjoying this book (laughs) um it's funny in a lot of ways uh we'll get to the funniness later because it is well written uh this is the great balance of telling and showing like showing through what you're telling us so freddie and captain reed are meeting and he's saying i have to go watch kirk something freddie said offhandedly toying with his turbot i don't know what that is Kirkpatrick supplied Captain Reed the hard consonants sounding like gunshots. James Kirkpatrick has devoted a decade of his life to serving British interests in Hyderabad. So by by showing how he's saying this thing, you're yeah. really getting or by telling it, you're getting a big picture of how he feels yeah. his role in this conversation. Yes. But it is also quite funny. Uh, Penelope is hilarious. Uh, their jokes with each other are actually funny and their like banter is like relates to what's going on but is not you could tell the punchline coming up from like six yeah. paragraphs before. Like it's not written so that this joke can happen. It's very naturalistic.
1: I really like that too because I feel like in a lot of bodice rippers, they they want to be together because the plot it, demands it. The plot demands it, but it, it's always described as some type of like I couldn't help it or I was yeah. just drawn to him. Like
0: I went to go slap him and end up kissing him and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: Versus actually like I wound up. Liking this person because we had fun conversations and yeah. were flirtatious and, and he actually, we're funny. Yeah, and
0: listened and talks to me and my husband yeah. doesn't. Uh, so this is narration being funny. Penelope wondered which one of these guys she's meeting at this party carried Freddy's vowels this time as in he bet away his money. Mm. Uh, from the smug expression on the face of the army man, Penelope suspected it was he. On the other hand, smugness might very well be his habitual expression. Penelope (laughs) would expect nothing less of a man who wore three rings on one hand. (laughs) Uh, so she's quite funny. She's sarcastic, but not in that sort of like, uh, marilyn monroe quote poster on the wall where it's yeah. like if you don't like me at my best you don't deserve or my worst you don't deserve me at my best like not that she's she's just very quick-witted and yeah. sharp uh and there's a good do amount you like
1: do you like that when people are quick-witted <laughs> and sharp are you into that
0: yeah there's a lot of dalliancing and conversational combat and stuff like that which is a fun that's thing fun that's cute and fun uh another narration there was nothing to do but she goes to look for like through he uh, read's uh letters to try and find out if he's the one selling out the whatever mm-hmm. uh and then he comes into the room and he thought they're gonna make out but they didn't uh a good reason to have that con- confrontation she tried to sneak into his room yeah like it wasn't just dumb
1: i'm mad at you she would, why yeah. Ugh.
0: yeah she didn't go to smell his shirts uh she had a motivation to spy on him even though she's very she's very uh she does things on impulse she yeah. doesn't think it through which we'll get to because it actually turned out to be a well-written book in like the back 75%. Not not that it wasn't, it was like the book writing. Yeah. Was good. Um, so while she's being caught in this room, the narration says, there was nothing to do but brazen it out. Fortunately, she had had a good ex- good deal of experience being brazen. Uh, or brazen, I don't know. Brazen. Uh, she's trying to get him to teach her uh, Urdu because where they're going yeah. in uh, India speaks more Urdu than uh, Hinduese. Mm-hmm. Uh, then. Hindi. Hindi. Thank you. Uh, she's saying, like, I lived in English, and I grew I or I lived in England, so I grew up speaking English. Like, where I live, I should learn to speak the language. Yeah. If I were to live in Italy, I would learn Italian. If I were to live in France, I believe I have the general idea, said Captain Reed, cutting Penelope off in the midst of her continental tour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's funny. You Things are getting uh, turned up and up and up. Uh, the... Husband Freddy is beginning to go like just get bought straight out by the not so good people in yeah. India, meaning, you know, the Indians. Uh it's not it does stand up for actually trying to work with the people you're ruling instead of just viewing yeah. them as dumb. But uh there's a spy ring. I didn't really get that part, maybe you will. Uh but uh Freddie ends up getting seduced by this stuff and so he he like there's a specific set of quarters for basically that your mistress. yeah uh, and the wife is like, I don't know why architecture would deme-. and then turns out he has a mistress. Yeah uh, And so then she feels she wants revenge and so she goes to sleep with Alex Reed. But he won't do it because he doesn't just want to be, like, a tool. So then Yeah, get, or be
1: her, like, yeah. he doesn't want to like, be her revenge bone.
0: Yeah. And so he they want a bone, but that's another good reason that he's like, well, not for this. And then yeah. she gets mad at him for rejecting her. You know. So that's another thing. Actual
1: then, reasons to create tension. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: the last thing I'm going to say, uh, because I do actually want you to uh, read this one. I think you would like it. Um, she shoots a snake dead like a cobra is in her room, and she shoots it dead. <laughs> Uh, And so it's very clearly an assassination attempt. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's... Then he, like, had escorted her to her room, hears the gun go off, and runs back because she thought she had shot her husband or shot herself. Uh Uh, And so he, like, dashes into the room without knocking and finds her, like, in that sort of hyped-up adrenaline state. Um, And so they're obviously going to start making out. But uh, their flirting is legitimately funny uh, because... She, they keep talking about the cobra what was it doing here yeah. and stuff and she says I can't keep calling it it we need a name how about marmaduke
1: <laughs> Sna- the Marma- marmaduke the snake yeah.
0: and so he's like I don't want to call a snake marmaduke and it sounds lol so quirky but the way it fits into the moment of like she's really amped up and he yeah. like he's trying to it's just funny uh so it was really good we finally find a victorian man that can find the clip uh, although I don't think that I would qualify this as a bodice ripper. There is yeah. one explicit sex scene and it doesn't go on that long. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, pan to the fire mm-hmm. away and a lot of referencing boning, but, but it is not for your, uh, you know, your aunt to get her rocks off or anything like that. Uh, so I, it was pretty good. The worst parts were the modern sections. Yeah. I don't really care. It's it's just cause it's sequels. Uh, that plot will build throughout all of the books, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I might check this out. You should. You could start with this one and skip the modern sections, and then if you like it, go back back. to the first one and then read the modern sections.
1: Well, I would say I'm sorry because I didn't, get you a book that really fit the <laughs> podcast but also sometimes it's really nice to read a book to stumble terrible. It yeah. it yeah it
0: definitely is not in my wheelhouse and i still liked it that's good uh, i just really liked that it was honest about how much boning was going on
1: people been boning
0: at the end of the book she references all of the non-fiction stuff she did research on to like get here she has a that's cool. she has a jd from harvard the author does that's awesome yeah so there was a lot to like i it's not one of my particular interests in history uh, mainly because I know the answer already, and it's fuck the English. Uh, there, there was references to uh, people are helping the French, because in India, like, if you had one non-European parent, like, you couldn't serve in both the private mercenary army of the East India Company or the Royal Army, like, they wouldn't let you in. And so then there's a pitch about liberty, equality, and fraternity really a appealing for some weird reason to these rejected people and so i thought that was a pretty funny turn as well
1: interesting well if i if and when i read these books i will keep it posted on what i think yeah
0: and tell me what the hell was supposed to be happening at that art (laughs) art gallery All right, I think that is going to do it this week. It's kind of a short episode, but a short episode for long books.
1: Yeah, we have not yet picked out our books for the next episode, so you'll just have to tune in to the next episode to find out what we read.
0: And hopefully that next episode comes faster than Dr. Dre's the next episode. Yep. Assassin's Creed and Mick-
1: Dr. Dre right up Susan's <laughs> Um, You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J.
0: You can find me on Twitter at diki Ma, and you can find the the podcast at BiblioVile. A reminder that we are on Spotify, so go ahead and subscribe there. I don't know if it does anything, but it makes me
1: feel good. Nice! The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant.
0: Good night, Nate.
1: Good night, Nate.